Welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it up. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online while filling out the card. We're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. Hey, good morning. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5. If you don't have a traditional Bible, but you'd like one and you're comfortable, just raise your hand. One of my friends will bring you one. You can either borrow that or you can keep it. It's our gift to you. You can also take your smart device and open up the YouVersion app, or it's also called the Bible app, and all the notes and scriptures, those have already been uploaded on there. I'll also put all the stuff on the screen behind me. If you're watching us online or at one of our other gatherings, love you guys. I'm so glad that you guys are a part of our community. I mean, listen, Jack, the last two weeks have been amazing. We have been treated to some really great messages. Pastor Barry, a.k.a. Uncle Barry, a.k.a. Papa Barry, a.k.a. I call him Papa Bear, but you're not allowed to, a.k.a. We call him Care Bear, you're not allowed to, a.k.a. Yoda. You can call him that if you want. Man, he gave us some time-honored, hard-earned wisdom. And when he said that the Sermon on the Mount is the center point of the Scriptures or asked us if we ever try to satisfy our hunger with something that we know won't satisfy it, but we eat it anyway, I literally texted him in all caps, you better shut your mouth with a bunch of exclamation marks. It's amazing. The message was just so deep. It was so thorough. And then last week when Pastor Dallas started out speaking in Spanish, I was like, um, what is happening right now? I thought maybe my iPad had somehow flipped and it was being translated into Spanish, but he, he still had that like funny tone to his voice. And I was like, what is going on? I didn't even know he spoke Spanish. I was like, this is so sick. But then when he said my whole life, I've been speaking one way. But when I started learning a new language, I realized that I had some speaking habits that I had to get rid of. And then he flipped it and related it to our spiritual lives. Took my phone and texted him in all caps. You better shut your mouth with all the. I didn't really. I should have texted him that. I got on the group chat and I was just burning up the group chat. And for a couple days after that message, I kept asking the Holy Spirit, where do I need to flip the script? I mean, the Sermon on the Mount, it may be the most important manifesto that's ever been written. It's the manual for our Jesus journey. It has everything we need to know how to live a godly life. One of the things that's interesting is that the Bible talks a lot about the kingdom of God. It actually interchanges two terms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. They are the, they are the same thing. They are, both, they are both on earth. When it talks about the kingdom of heaven, it's not talking about the next life, but it talks a lot about the kingdom of God. In fact, when you listen to the teaching of Jesus, it's evident that the kingdom of God is a really big deal. It's a huge focus for him, which makes it really, really important for us to understand what it is that he meant when he talked about it. And the kingdom concept is challenging for us in our Western culture, because really in our pseudo-Euro context, we look at a kingdom from a territorial context, borders and boundaries. But in the first century, that wasn't the, the way that the Jewish people would have understood what a kingdom was. The, the Jewish people, uh, to them, a kingdom was about authority. And the way that they understood a kingdom was that wherever a person who was a subject of a particular kingdom set their feet, 
As long as that person was obeying the king and the king's will was being done, that place became a part of the kingdom. Wherever they were, it became sovereign soil. Wherever they set their feet, the kingdom was not only being represented, but it was being expanded. It's, it's why Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He was expecting that Jesus people or that, that kingdom people would be expanding the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven onto earth. And, and in chapter five of the gospel of Matthew, I see three steps for every kingdom person. So first we see the admission into the kingdom of God. And, that, and that's not the cost of admission that's already been paid. It's, it's the proof of entry. And we see that in verses three through, three through six is what Pastor Barry talked about, where he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs will be the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst to be in right standing with God, because they will be filled. Secondly, we see the attitude of a kingdom person, and we see that in verses seven through 12, and it's what Pastor Dallas talked about. It's that flipping of the script. It says, blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they'll see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they'll be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted, hello, because of righteousness, because theirs, watch this, is the kingdom of heaven. So blessed are those when people insult you, when they persecute, when they, when they falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Finally, I see the action of a kingdom person. And we find that in verses 13 through 16 where it tells us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Let's talk about that today in a message that we're calling Hide and Seek. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for this like this spirit that's in this place, this atmosphere that's in this place, this expectation that was here before we got here. God, we didn't bring the expectation with us. We just agreed with it. God, the expectation was already here. God, your Holy Spirit already expected to change lives. Your Holy Spirit already expected to transform destinies. Your Holy Spirit already expected to heal hurts and wounds and bodies and spirits and relationships and finances. Your Holy Spirit expected before we ever came into this place that we would come into agreement with your expectation for this place. And so today we put our hands in yours, our heart with yours, and we pray that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Man, y'all, I used to love to play hide and seek. Um, my, my older brother, man, though, not so much. Uh, so one time I just kept bugging him. I, I just, I asked him over and over and over and over again. I said, come on, play, 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 come on. Like when you're a kid, you know how to mess with people. Come on, play, come on, play. <laughs> Finally, he gave in. He said, okay. You hide, I'll seek. I said, bet. <laughs> you, all right, now, you count to 10. You better not count fast either. You better not peek. Let me tell mom. He put his hands over his face. He said, one, man, I was gone. Now, uh, there weren't a lot of places to hide in our house. It was like uh, 800 square feet. But we had a basement, kind of. Like, uh, it was like more like a cellar. It had cement 
floors and cement walls. And it was like the washer and dryer were down there. And there were like these, these like metal poles that at least when I was a kid, I felt like they were the only thing standing between our house, like crumbling to the ground, like these little, uh, uh, metal poles, uh, but there was this one, there was like this one little ledge where my mom would keep her canning. Now I looked at that ledge, I said, bingo, that's the spot. So I, like I moved some pickles and I, and I moved some beets and, and I squeezed myself up onto that little ledge. I started giggling inside. <laughs> this fool ain't never gonna find me in here. This guy ain't never gonna find me. <laughs> and for a few minutes, I kept giggling until I felt something on my foot. Man, I jumped out of that hiding spot like I was Trinity from the Matrix. <laughs> I mean, that's what I thought I looked like, but really, I lurched up, hit my head, screamed like a four-year-old girl, and I fell on the ground right on my stomach and my face. And when I looked back up to the ledge, there was a rat staring back at me. And he was like this. He was leaned on one elbow, wearing a leather vest, had a tattoo of a heart that said Rita in it, but it was crossed out and said Renee. Like he'd been through some stuff. He was smoking a cigarette. And when I looked back up, he said, found you. <laughs> Man, I was gone. I took off. I ran upstairs to tell my mom. And when I ran up the stairs, I saw my brother laying on the bed, reading a book. <laughs> First of all, I was like, what nerd reads a book? Anyway, I was like, bro. What are you doing? We're supposed to be playing hide and seek. I almost died down there. I just got jumped by Ricky the rat. He tried to bite my big toe off. My brother said, I told you I didn't want to play. But I knew if I said I'd be it, you'd hide and I wouldn't have to mess with you for a while. I feel like that's like when people play hide and seek, it's funny for the one hiding, but it's frustrating for the one seeking. And I feel like the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven seems like that for a lot of people. It's, it's elusive, it's hiding, it's, it's frustrating, but it's foundational. And the Psalms say those who seek him are rewarded. They don't lack any good thing. The Psalms say seek God and your soul will live. First Chronicles says let the heart of those who seek him let them be glad. The Proverbs, the book of wisdom, they say those who seek the Lord, they will understand all things. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for everyone who asks receives. For everyone who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Seeking the kingdom, it's frustrating, but it's foundational. It's why Jesus said, as Pastor Stephanie said, seek the kingdom of God above all other things and live righteously and God will give you everything that you need. He will give you everything that you need. And that last statement, because of that, our, our contrarian culture has done everything it can to hide his kingdom, to make it invisible, to make it inaccessible. And so, so rather than putting out mile markers, uh, God put out landmarks. You know, people who give really good directions, uh, they give you landmarks to look for, things you can't miss. Uh, a lot of people, when they give directions, they be like church people, though. 
Church people, uh, they use language they think you understand. They use, um, they use euphemisms that people who are lost, they don't get. Are you washed in the blood? Man, I better not be. Is there a blade here? Did Wesley Snipes sneak in in the middle of the night? I didn't know about the washed in the blood. I don't want to be part of nothing. I've been watching all the Waco stuff. I already know. I don't want to be part of nothing. I didn't even know David Koresh was. G- Did you know? that? I didn't even know. Pastor Barry has been sending me. When Pastor Barry gets on a stream or something, bro, you are wrecked. You get all, like every piece of, I know stuff about Waco that the Gaineses don't know. I'm just saying. We use all of these terms that people don't understand, and that's like people, when they give like mile markers, they, they, just, they just get people lost. But people, people who give really good directions, they're super easy to follow. Let me tell you what you're going to do. You're going to go down this road about three quarters of a mile. When you see a big brown bar that says Clarence's Chicken Coop, you're going to hang a left. Clarence painted it that ugly color because he says it attracts chickens. I don't know. They said the chickens are attracted to brown. Anyway, you go down there, another mile or so, you're going to come to Marty Farkle's old John Deere tractor. It hasn't run in years, but Marty won't get it out of his yard. He won't move the eyesore. You can't miss it. It's green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. You can't miss it. When you see that tractor, you're going to take a right. Couple miles up that road, you're going to see Kitty Lou's fruit stand. Now, Kitty Lou, she's good people. She's nice. Went to high school together. Actually, she used to like me, but then she met John, and then, you know the whole thing, the, the one that got away. And then, but you get down there, you're going to see Kitty Lou. She's good people, and she's got the best peaches that you're ever going to put in your mouth. Do yourself a favor. Pull over. Get your bushel of them. Eat one before you leave. You're welcome. Next time you see me, you owe me a dollar. Get back in your car. Keep going on that same road about another mile. Once you get about another mile, you're going to see the I-65. Get on that, and you're going to head south. Landmarks take all the stress out of a trip. They, they take all the guesswork out. Like when you're driving, you'll know if you haven't gotten to Marty's old tractor yet, you haven't gone far enough. Just keep going until you see the tractor. And when you do see a landmark, you know you're headed in the right direction. See, you and I are Marty's old tractor or we're Kitty Lou's fruit stand. We are the landmarks that let people know which way to go and how much further the journey is ahead. But rather than chicken coops, green tractors, and fruit stands, God added us to be salt and to be light. And those identifiers, they're important because salt preserves and light illuminates. But the question is, like, what does that mean to us? Because to us, salt is... I used to have a a boss who uh, he used to do his interviews by taking people out to lunch. And, and he would watch you when your meal came. And if you put salt on your food before you tasted your food, he didn't offer the job. And his opinion was anybody who puts salt on food before they taste it is presumptuous. And I don't want people working for me who are presumptuous. And uh, you know, uh, you, you ever go through the drive through at McDonald's? My assumption is always, A, it's going to be wrong. B, the fries ain't going to have enough salt on them. For sure, 97% of the time it's proven that the, that the fries from McDonald's now, I don't know what they did, but somebody done wrecked it for everybody. That they, there's just, mm, mm. I know that I'm going to get fries that don't have enough salt. So then I like to take all the stuff out the bag. I like to take the fries. I like to dump the fries in the bag. This is a hack. 
is a fat person hack. He's like, take two things of salt, dump them in a thing, close the lid up, shake the bag. I'm just saying you get all the fries then. Not all the salt is on one fry. You pour it in the box. I'm just saying, the top fries are banging. The bottom fries, no bueno. You're not the only bilingual pastor in here. What I find interesting is, I don't know if this is in the training manual from Chicago, because, you know, they're Bears fans. They lack judgment. So you ask for salt at the drive-thru at McDonald's. It's like, (laughs) have you ever seen how much salt they've given you at the drive-thru at McDonald's? I'm like, I didn't. I didn't eat all the, I just, I wanted one, maybe two, like if I owned McDonald's, I'd be like, why are you giving everybody all the salt? I'm just saying like now salt is like, mm. I, I probably got 17 salt packets in the door jam in my truck right, right now. Nine of them are wet. It's just that salt now is just, mm. it's got a lot of benefits. The guys, I said it preserves, but it also flavors, it thaws, it cures, it purifies, it heals, it softens. Some of the greatest products in the world that you can use like lotion-wise are from the Dead Sea, Ahava. They, they, they soften your little reptile skin. And in the ancient world, salt was really, really valuable. In fact, the Greeks believed that it had divine qualities and supernatural abilities. In the Roman Empire, it was actually used as a currency. At times, they would pay their soldiers with salt. Rather than receiving money, some of the soldiers actually would prefer, they would elect to receive a bag of salt rather than money because salt was more valuable than money. In fact, the soldier who didn't carry out his duties wasn't worth his salt. Of the Roman author Pliny, he said, Sini se la vida humana non protest de guerre. That means without salt, human life cannot be sustained. It was that important in this first century world in which Jesus spoke this directive, but it didn't start with Jesus. The scriptures talk about salt from beginning to end. In the book of Numbers, an everlasting covenant is called a covenant of salt. Leviticus tells us salt was required in every sacrifice. The book of Colossians, it says, let your conversation always be grace-filled. Season it with salt so that you might know how to answer everyone. The Gospel of Mark, it says to have salt among yourselves and to be at peace with each other. Biblically, salt was really important. So when Jesus talks about it in reference to us, he's saying that we have an important role to play. We're supposed to be a seasoning agent that brings distinctive flavor of God's values to the culture that surrounds us, making this book palatable. That's why like that old school Turner Burn stuff, it doesn't work. Let your light shine before men. So Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But when he says that, he reveals a problem, uh, that sometimes salt can lose its flavor. Life has a way of making us lose our saltiness, doesn't it? Uh, I had that this weekend. I was, I was traveling back. We, we were on a family vacation last week, and we were, we were, trying, to, we were trying to get here, and then our kids uh, were on their way to Seattle because Pastor Sonny and I are going to a, a church conference 
uh, tomorrow. We're going to meet our, meet our kids out there. And it, it was just like literally from the moment that we started. The Uber driver, he, he, he went the wrong way. We almost, uh, we almost, we almost missed our flight. The, the flight attendant uh, tried to kick me off the plane. She was like, are you going to be a problem? I, I mean, I wasn't planning on it, but I might be, be salty. Find out. Like, I might, I might be now, because now it seems... Until she said she was going to have the marshal come and take me off the plane, I was like, I'm not going to be no problem at all. I'm going to be so nice. Do you need me to hand out some stuff? Like, I can, I can help. If you're tired, I can help. I've been on enough flights that I, I'll make the announcement if you want me to. I'll, make it, I'll do it like a wrap if you need me to, whatever, to just not kick me off of this plane. It was just like literally one thing after another. And then we, like, we got stranded in Atlanta and 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 we had to like sleep in Atlanta and then and then uh they they lost our bags and then they made us fly to Milwaukee. I don't even live in Milwaukee. I don't know if you know that. So we got to Milwaukee but our bag didn't. So we had to take an Uber from Milwaukee to Green Bay. I was like, what is going on? I didn't even know you could do that, first of all. I hope that guy was blessed in Jesus' name. And it's just like one, our kids got to see out of their bags. It was, like, it was just like one thing after another. I literally felt like John Candy in planes, trains, and automobiles. Like, those aren't pillows. Like, I just don't, I didn't know, I, I just didn't know what was going on. And I was like extra frustrated and short through the process because like I needed to make it back because like this, like today is one of the most important moments of my life. My brother Barry, he's, like, he's getting married today. And I was like, there's no way that I can miss that. I'm going to like walk to, I'm going to walk to greet back. I don't know what in the where the devil lives is going on right now. But life has a way of making us lose our saltiness. Now to be clear, salt can actually lose its flavor, but it can become diluted and defiled. And that's what Jesus was saying in the original Greek language. He was saying, you're the salt of the earth, but if salt gets diluted or if it gets defiled, how can it be made salty again? And there's really three ways that salt can lose its saltiness. Contamination, assimilation, and isolation. Contamination happens when you mix salt with sand or another spice. The salt becomes intertwined with the sand or the spice. It gets lost and it loses its saltiness. Assimilation happens when you mix salt with water or another liquid and the salt dissolves. It loses its form. The water or the other liquid dilutes the salt's properties and it limits its application. Although it doesn't lose its flavor, it loses its saltiness. Isolation happens when it's separated from the other salt. A single grain of salt isn't very useful. And those three things are the same for you and they are the same for me. We lose our saltiness when we allow ourselves to become contaminated by just mixing in with our culture. When, when we just let everything slide, we become both in the world and of the world. Like we, we allow ourselves to be assimilated when we just absorb everything that the world absorbs. Like, like listen, the church today is drowning in relevance and relatability, but we have become diluted. Finally, we allow ourselves to be isolated when we just retreat or we just hide our head in the sand rather than allowing the change that's taken place in our lives to be used to impact and impart change 
into someone else's life. For salt to be effective, it has to come into contact with the thing it's intended to season. What are you coming into contact with? Did you know that salt is actually a remedy for unsavory meat? If you put salt on rotten meat, it will pull the rot out of the meat. Salt is a remedy for unsavory meat. But you know that there is no remedy for unsavory salt? Once it's been diluted or defiled, its purpose has been destroyed. Stay salty. Jesus said, you are the salt of the world. Next, he said, you are the light of the world. In his writings, Pliny continued, he said, sole et sale nihal utilius. Nothing is more useful than the sun and salt. So, so in our culture and in our context, we take light for granted. Uh, with the flip of a few switches or now from an app, uh, we, we can have all the light that we want. But in the first century, light was harder to come by. When it was dark, it was dark. Uh, have you ever experienced a dark that's so dark that you could feel it? Uh, like it gets so dark that it almost feels like the temperature got turned down. Like you ever been in an environment where there's no light and your eyes just cannot adjust? I mean, people who know me know I already ain't got no night vision anyway. Like I've gotten to that age. 50% of the time, I don't have the right vision at all. Like in the light, I don't. You ever get those people like my, I look like I lost my teeth and my eyebrow bones half the time. What does that sign say? It says stop. Like it's like, <laughs> it's definitely bad at night. Like I, I've gotten to that. And I, I have glasses, but I don't want to wear them. And I don't want to wear them because they, like, like uh, they, have you seen the show? I've talked about this show. Have you seen the show Dahmer? Like the, just the, not the show, but like just a picture. Like, you know, the, you've heard of this guy, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. He, he wore, he wore glasses. Like I, I got these glasses before the show came out. And, and I feel like I either look like, uh, like a welder or a hipster young pastor whose jeans are too small or Jeffrey Dahmer, <laughs> maybe all three. And, and so when I, when I put it, like there's already a show on Netflix, the, like it's, uh, the, I, I can't remember what it's called, but I had a guy who texted me a screenshot of it. He goes, bro, I didn't even know. And the guy is my doppelganger. Like he's, he's the streak in his beard and everything. Like he, I was like, bro, I didn't even know I was a murder. So like, like the when I put the glasses on, I'm just saying, I feel like people are already a little put off by me at times. And so when I put the glasses on, they're like, bro, is that like uh, the WWE version of uh, Dahmer? And so anyway, I don't wear them. I'm, I hate it. And so I, my eyes haven't gotten to the place where they can adjust yet. And so, so when we were on vacation last week, they had, they had the blackout blinds, which are awesome, because then you could sleep till three o'clock in the afternoon. And so like they had the blackout blinds, and it, at maybe 2 a.m., I hear like this like really faint knock, and, and I instantaneously jumped up out the bed and started, run, started running toward the door except the door 
wasn't where I ran. <laughs> Literally, the door, if this is me, the door was right here. I got out of the bed. I ran around the bed and directly into the wall. Boom! <laughs> Pastor Sonny goes, what is going on? I said, there's someone at the door. She said, they're not. You're sleeping. I said, how am I sleeping if I'm not in the bed? And I just ran into the wall. She said, you were dreaming about it. And then we heard, my kids were at the door. <laughs> I had to find the door. I had to like, I had to like wobble and wander through the room to try to find. It was, I'm just saying that it was really dark. And in the first century, when it was dark, it was dark like that. So like salt, light, biblically, was a commodity. It was so valuable that people would sell at great expense anything that could sustain or start light. And when you had a source of light, you did everything you could to keep it from going out, and you would never hide it. You would never cover it. You would let it shine. That's what Jesus is saying about us. What we have inside of us is so valuable, but life has a way of dimming or diminishing our light. And sometimes it's subtle, but there are two things that will definitely diminish your light, disobedience and disunity. And disobedience will bring lack of peace with God, but disunity will bring a lack of peace with each other. So Ephesians says, since Jesus people have light from the Lord, we need to act like it. If you have the light of the Lord, you need to live like a person of the light. Are you? Philippians tells us that live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Jesus calls himself the light of the world, and he said, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Conversely, if we claim to have fellowship with him and we walk in the darkness, we lie. We don't live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is a light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. Walk in the light. Elevate it, lift it up so it will illuminate the people and the places around you. Be conspicuous. A city on a light cannot, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Are you being conspicuous or are you playing coy? Are, are you playing a spiritual game of hide and seek? Don't because it's frustrating for the ones who are seeking and we are surrounded by people who are seeking. And we can identify them by the way they act or by the way they talk or by the facial expressions they make or the posture that they take. So guess what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to be a landmark. We're not supposed to focus on everything that we don't agree with. We're not supposed to focus on the things that we wouldn't do that they're doing. We're not supposed to be people that are out there taking this, oh, we're gonna be, like why are you so mad? The joy of the Lord is your strength. And yet we live our lives like people who are so angry all of the time that we want. You're like a mad parent who wonders why his kids won't confide in them. God never called you to be mad. He actually never even called you to build his kingdom. He didn't even call you to build his church. He called you to be soft and to be light. And he said, if you do that, guess what? I will build my church and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. So rather than like always being known by what it is that you're mad about, rather than being known by the thing that you always disagree about, 
What if you became a landmark? Be salt. Be light. What does that mean on a practical level? It means bring flavor to the people and the places around you with joy. He said it's joy unspeakable and filled with glory. Aren't you drawn to people who smile? Aren't you drawn to people who are happy, who are joyful? He's saying thaw people's hearts with kindness. Like when somebody's just, Pastor Sonny's great at this. I love when she's around pissed off people. Because she's like, And you're just like, bro, I'm trying to be mad right now. Stop being so nice to me. And I just, I've seen it. I've seen people that come around and they're like, bro, I came to the wrong person. He's saying brighten people's horizon or their outlook with hope and with positivity. Here's the beautiful thing. I don't know if you read this whole thing. I don't want to wreck it for you. But in the end, we win. We win the whole thing. We win the Super Bowl. It's like, they, no matter what they say, no matter what they do, no matter how mad they make you or mad you try to make them, in the end, you win. When is, when is it the right opportunity for us to live like we have that hope? When is it the right time for us to live with the positivity that, guess what? If I become salt, if I become light, then they too can live their lives with joy. They too can live their lives with hope and positivity. And all, I just wonder if you'll do that today. I hope so, because if you will, Jesus said, when people see your good deeds, they will glorify God in heaven and you will be blessed. I want that for me and for you. So today, I'll be salt, I'll be light, will you? You close your eyes all across this place. Salt and light. I mean, you can't be either of those things until you have a relationship with Jesus. You can't be a manifestation of who he is or what he wants you to do until you are in connection with him. And so this morning, I want to give you the opportunity to do uh, what in the church world we, we would call getting saved surrendering your life to the Lord. That maybe you came in here and you've been wrestling. You, you've been struggling. You've been going back and forth between, between good feelings and bad feelings. And you say, Sean, I want that peace that you're talking about, that confidence that you're talking about. Or you can find that by, by doing two things. Uh, first is, is confession and the second is profession confessing that you've got unresolved sin in your life, and secondly, professing that you believe that Jesus can change that. And so if you're here today and you say, Sean, I've got unresolved sin in my life, and I would like Jesus to resolve that before I leave this place, I'm gonna ask you to do two things. With nobody looking around, in just a moment, I'm gonna ask for people who have those unresolved sins in their life to do two things, to raise their hand and make eye contact with me. Once you've made eye contact, put your hand down. That's your act of confession. And uh, secondly, I'm going to say a few lines in a prayer, and then I'm going to ask everybody in here to repeat what it is that I just said. And if you repeat what it is I just said, and you mean it in your heart, the Bible says you will, you will be saved. You'll come into relationship with Jesus. So 
So with nobody looking around, if you say, Sean, I've got unresolved sin, and I want to leave it here. Just raise your hand and make God contact. Thanks. 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 Okay, I'm going to ask everybody in here to say this after me. Say, Jesus, I've got sin in my life, but I don't want it. Please forgive me. Come into my life. Change me. Make me different. Make me new. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Secondly, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wonder if you're here and you say, uh, Sean, I'm saved. Now, I'm a kingdom person, uh, but I haven't, I haven't to the best of my ability been being salt and being light. You haven't been impacting your surroundings the way that you need to. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Just pop your hand up real quick. Yeah, thanks, 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 thanks. God, we love you. Thank you for so many people who are hungry for you, God. Season us right now. Sprinkle uh, an accelerant on us, God, to change our hearts and to change our minds. Bless my friends in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. If you want to dive even deeper into your faith, check out our other podcasts and small groups. You can find more information at lifechurchgreenbay.com. We can't wait to see you next week.